passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi there, everyone. It's Bruce Lord here with Post Wrestling's preview of Stardom's All-Star Grand Queendom card, which is happening this Sunday uh, in Yokohama Arena in Japan. Now, if you're a post wrestling regular, you might be saying, wait a minute, Bruce, you're a self-described stardom agnostic who only ever wants to talk about New Japan and (laughs) AEW, not modern Joshi. What are you doing previewing a stardom show? Well, Dear listener, today my stardom cluelessness is a feature, not a bug, as I'll be asking the questions that you, the post-listener who might be interested in checking out the odd stardom show here and there, uh, the questions that you might have, and I'll be asking them of the person with all the answers, post's resident expert in all things Joshi, Karen Peterson. Karen, how are you doing today? I am lovely on this lovely Tuesday. It's, I'm excited. I'm like trying not to be like, oh my God, it's happening, but oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> well, we'll get into the uh, the particular reasons as to why uh, yourself and other Stardom fans might be so hyped up about this show. Uh, but we should note here that this preview is meant uh, not just to set up uh, Sunday's show itself, but also the review of it, which Karen and I will have on Sunday afternoon. That review will be exclusively available to members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So head on over to postwrestlingcafe.com if you're not already a member to make sure that you can hear that review along with the thousands of other hours of content available to fine folks uh, helping John Pollock and waiting keep the coffee fresh and hot at the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, Karen and I took a deep dive into New Japan's Sakura Gen- Genesis show a week ago. I'll be looking back at the Cruiserweight Classic with John and Wayne in the next couple of weeks, and that's just the stuff with my dumb ass on it. You've got Rewind to SmackDown every week, Rewind Away Retro Shows, ROH and Impact Reviews, Ask Away, The Wellness Policy, F1 and MCU Reviews, all manner of great stuff. So again, sign up at Post Wrestling Cafe if you haven't already done so to make sure that you're not missing out on any of the wonderful shows produced by the broader Post Wrestling family. So Karen, this stardom show is a card which is kind of meant to be uh the spiritual successor 
to All Japan Women's Two Dream Slam cards uh, 30 years ago, which happened on April 4th and 11th of 1993. Uh, like I said, I'm not the biggest Joshi scholar, but that's a very lofty standard to live up to. Uh, those cards featured Dynamite Kansai and Mayumi Ozaki versus Manami Toyota and Toshio Yamada and Akira Hokuto's match with Shinobu Kandori, which is just one of my favorite matches of all time, Joshi or otherwise, uh, and to which Julia and Maya Hukiri's uh, match at Stardom Triangle Derby Finals back in March was directly paying homage. If you're watching this on video, you can see that I'm wearing my Akira Hokuto and Manami Toyota shirt for this occasion. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Karen... <laughs> Within the context of Stardom's history, uh, as a relatively recent promotion still, how significant of a card is this show? And how does it figure maybe into Stardom's attempts to find something of a foothold in North America? I think one of the interesting things about this particular card is that it harkens back to, one, it's the first, I believe, the first all-women's card in this venue in 22 years um and when we get to the rumble i got a little bit trivia for you on that right. one uh but one of the big things about this is that it's one one of the rare occasions that we have english commentary live for the show stardom typically doesn't do english commentary for their programming it's usually put directly onto stardom world afterwards and any english commentary that's been covered has been done on new japan programming with uh, chris charlton and kevin kelly the interesting thing about this is that we have a very loaded card but the top of the card in particular is very 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 important for very for various different reasons <laughs> um but one of the things that stands out is that it's just it's a card that has for those who are more newer to stardom you may not know all the names but you may have heard a lot of the names in passing and i think once we get into the nitty-gritty of all the different match previews people will hopefully get really excited and if you're new to stardom or you're curious about stardom or you want to watch this show in particular, coming up later this week, if you follow we underscore our underscore stardom, the English uh, language Twitter handle, they will be releasing the instructions in English on how to order the mm. pay-per-view. Um, it's very easy. It's very walk-throughable, but they usually release those close as close to the show date as possible. One of the other things to think about and keep in mind when you're purchasing the uh, the show is the exchange rate and that it's also a limited time ticket. So it'll be available only for a certain amount of time and that'll be published when you make your purchase. And then afterwards, that program will be moved over to Stardom World. So if you're a Stardom World subscriber, you can watch it as many times as you want. It's interesting that we're kind of, uh, I almost feel like Stardom is maybe at the point that New Japan was a few years before New Japan World really started taking off, where there was still this sort of, there was this burgeoning interest in a North American audience. Uh, but, you know, there wasn't, as of yet, uh, that sort of, you know, all-inclusive, you know, over-the-top package in New Japan World. And, you know, we've seen, right, you know, moments like Wrestle Kingdom 9 being this breakthrough moment in terms of live English commentary from recognizable commentators and, you know, a lot of wrestlers that North American audiences uh, were certainly familiar with. So it would be really interesting to see if this is kind of a similar watershed moment uh, for stardom. So we're going to go through each of the 11 matches, uh, starting with uh, the top of the card. And again, some of the names uh, that, as Karen has alluded to, uh, even your more casual of North American uh, wrestling fans will probably have heard 
of, of a good number uh, of those names. Uh, starting up at the very top with the World of Stardom title match, uh, where the champion, Julia, will be taking on Tam Nakano. Um, Tam challenged Julia immediately after she'd had a uh, double countout match with Maya Yukihi at the uh, Triangle Derby Finals. There's a lot of recent history between these two, Karen. Um, Tam defeated Julia in a hair versus hair match uh, for the Wonder of Stardom belt a couple of years ago. Julia beat Tam during the five-star Grand Prix tournament last year. Uh, we also just very recently saw the two of them mix it up uh, in a two out of three falls uh, eight women match a few days ago. Uh, this is, I believe, Julia's third defense of the red belt, which is Stardom's main primary belt, uh, since taking it from Shuri in December. Will she still have it after Sunday? One of the things I like about Tam is when Tam is chasing Julia in particular, she goes from like, you know, this sweet, cute little girl all in violet, violet, and then she turns very violent with an N. So it's one of those things where Julia and Tam's story started, as you mentioned, a couple of years ago when Julia first came over. And it was the, they when it came to Arisa Hoshiki vacating the Wonder of Stardom Championship and unfortunately going into retirement due to a sustained head and neck injury, uh, Julia and Tam found themselves on opposite ends of the tournament for the white belt. Julia and ultimately got the belt. And the, the thing about the, the the white belt, it tends to be, some people call it like the belt of sadness or the belt of like despair because some people have to keep chasing, chasing it and chasing it and chasing it before it happens. So yeah, Julia won the, won the Wonder Stardom Championship. Tam immediately challenged her again and lost that again. And then they, it built up to their hair versus hair match. Got a little show and tell for everyone. Oh. This was the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling Magazine after All-Star Dream Cinderella, which really felt like in 20, it was on March 3rd, 2020, which it felt like the first big, big, big pay-per-view event akin to All-Star Grand Queendom, where they had a, a giant rumble. They brought in, you know, all, all the nostalgia. There was like Aja Kong, I believe, showed up, or Chigusa Nagayo. It was a whole bunch of like stardom history queens and king even kings of the indies they all showed up for it and it was a great show but they were determined to be the ones that closed it out and had an outstanding match and you know the thing about julia and tam is that when they fight they fight as if their lives actually depend on it so when they got to the finals of the Fire star grand prix and julia beat tam again the wall just got put back up and now she's chasing her so I'd be, I'd be curious to see if Tam can stage the upset or if we're going to, this is going to last us until December at the end of the year show. Okay. You, you use the word upset there. And I mean, at least again, to you know my very casual sort of perspective uh, to me, Julia is someone who has that real kind of just star power, that X factor, uh, like a, an almost like early Okada style, like swagger and confidence uh, to her. Uh, I think that she's somebody who really jumps out both in terms of her look and her in-ring intensity, uh, even if you're not someone who is especially familiar with modern Joshi. So I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, if to my mind, if you are trying to have stardom make inroads uh, in North America, I'd be wanting to keep her very much front and center uh, of the picture, whether that involves her holding the title or not. Uh, okay, let's move on over to the match for the aforementioned Wonder of Stardom title uh match the the aforementioned kind of white belt the kind of effectively the secondary title um within stardom um 
so this is between Saya Kamitani and Mina Shirakawa. Uh, I believe this match was already booked uh, when Shirakawa kind of patched over or switched factions uh, to, from the Cosmic Angels faction to the recently formed Club Venus squad. Uh, and the Chap Kamatani is coming off of a very critically acclaimed defense of the Wonder of Stardom belt a month ago uh, against Hazuki. That was a really great match that turned a lot of heads and already got a little bit of, you know, match of the month or match of the year buzz. Uh, I have to admit, Karen, I've never really taken much notice of Shirakawa on the Stardom shows that I have seen. Uh, do you think we're sort of seeing an elevation for her now that she's joined this new group? One thing that you could consider Shirakawa as, she's kind of like our Sonata being in Cosmic Angels and being in the shadow of Tam Nakano, who's at, at the center of everything, is very much like Sonata was standing in Naito's shadow. So she was the one that was there from the very establishment of Cosmic Angels. She was the first one that uh, Tam Nakano brought in while she was still in Stars before Cosmic Angels broke off and went on their own way and took off, as it were. But the problem was that Mina was always very much her right hand, but constantly overlooked by other people. With Natsupoi joining the faction uh last year in particular it became a bit of a problem and kind of like a small chip on her shoulder that she wanted more than anyone thing she wanted tam to acknowledge and recognize her ability as a wrestler and she challenged tam previously for the white belt and fell short and then you know kamitani came up came on in the middle of a monster run in november last year they she challenged in uh the hiroshima goddess festival and for those who may or may not be keeping tabs on New Japan, it's been mentioned on commentary there as well. That was the last time that Saya Kamatani did her Phoenix Splash. Mm. Because during their match, she did one and decided to pull a Tanahashi and go back up a second time just to add a little oomph on the moment. And her heel came straight down on Shirakawa's mouth and like busted in her teeth, possibly fractured part of her jaw. So she was immediately... Um, put on the shelf from November missing the biggest show at the end of the year, December. Um, so she was out for two months. And during that time, she said that she was uh, staying busy and by staying busy, she was scouting the international market because stardom has started bringing back international talent. They had Tekla there for a very long time, but she was the only foreigner. Um, so when she showed up at, uh, in January with club Venus, which was Zier Brookside and Mariah May from the UK, she brought them over. She's like, just so we're clear. I'm still in Cosmic Angels, but Club Venus is not. They're my side project. So right there, you know, at some point, Tam's going to get a heavy dose of what she did to Mayu Yutani breaking off with Cosmic Angels. But it was all a matter of when. So as the Triangle Derby came and went, uh, Kamatani had other defenses. And she said at that time, I'm glad you're back, but I want you to be at 100% for when you face me. Shirakawa turned it around on her and she's like, well, you need to stop being a chicken and bring back the Phoenix Splash. You mm. haven't used it since me. I want, if you don't use it during our match, you're not who you say you are. You're not as good as you think you are because you're scared. And so that's the biggest story is that will, will uh, Kamatani bring out the Phoenix, Phoenix Splash and defeat Shirakawa? Or with this massive push of breaking off from Cosmic Angels last week and, you know, taking all of Club Venus and Waka Tsukiyama who was like, she was the ultimate underdog, two and a half years without a win, finally got her first win last month, taking her with them and leaving Tam with almost nobody. So I feel like, I feel like this might be the one that we have to watch closely because it might be 
the era the 15 v 16 may not be coming for kamatani on this one see that whole backstory right there i think does a really good job of explaining the the situation that myself and a lot of other very casual like oh i jump in and watch you know two or three stardom shows a, a year sort of people are in where we know that there's a lot of depth happening, right? I know <laughs> a lot's happening. <laughs> I know that the I mean, obviously, like in addition to the factional warfare stuff, which we can maybe get into uh later on down this card as well. In addition to that, that very the not just the individual personal history between competitors, but the way that that manifests in individual moves or sequences within a wrestling match, right? It's things like that that when I realized, oh wow, these are the things that are happening either in contemporary new japan when i was first getting into that or going back into like you know vintage all japan and things those are the things that really add an extra level uh, of depth and intrigue but of course those are things that are not necessarily going to be immediately apparent and if you don't have commentary uh in a language that you speak you're uh you know you're kind of in a bit of a tough spot there um we'll, we'll talk about it again at the end but uh i think we're very lucky that uh, the English commentary on this show is going to be helmed, at least in part, uh, by walking encyclopedia Chris Charlton, who is exactly the sort of person uh, who will be able to fill in and give uh, all of those little uh, historical details uh, and acknowledgments of the significance of individual moves or sequences within those matches. He'll be lucky because he's also pairing off with Sonny Gutierrez, who works for Stardom. So he's the one that's he's on the road with the girls. He He knows... Mm. They're, they're going to be able to weave together a great story. Plus, Momo Kogo, uh, uh, one of the more English proficient uh, wrestlers on the roster, will be joining them as well, from what I've heard. All right, so we're moving on to the third match here, uh, featuring a name very, very familiar uh, to, to North American listeners. We're talking about Mercedes Monet, the current IWGP women's champion, taking on Mayu Iwatani. Um, Mercedes uh, defended this title uh, at Sakura Genesis uh, against Azumi and Hazuki, uh, and uh, Mayu Iwatami immediately challenged her thereafter. But this was a match that I believe had even, as we were talking about when we were talking about Genesis, Karen, had even been set up previous to that uh, defense. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is, it's technically Mercedes' first actual match on an actual stardom show. But reportedly, is this her last or her second to last match in New Japan? And therefore, do we ever see her uh, in a New Japan or stardom ring uh, after this match, do you think? So previously, the, um, the, the, the word on the street, as it were, was that her, she had three dates. Um, there was Battle in the Valley, there was her defense at Sakura Genesis, and this was theoretically her third and final date. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next. You know, just like everything else, never say never in wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be that there are talks beyond this. And because I know people have seen the, the tweets circling, circulating around between her and Julia suggesting a champion versus champion match down the line. Put a pin in it. Wait. Wait for it. Because both of these women need to walk out as champions for that to happen. If, But who knows? We, we This could be the first, the, the last time. It could be... The last time for some time, we don't know. We don't know what Mercedes status beyond uh, Sunday will be. I mean, it seems to me, again, you know, from a, from an outsider's perspective, like Julia versus Mercedes is absolutely the 
the the match that stardom could make which would have uh the biggest draw the biggest appeal to north american audiences um you know or unless you want to say oh maybe mercedes versus Kyrie or something to appeal to wwe fans i don't know um we've talked a lot about mercedes here but what context can you give uh for mayu iwatani and her role within stardom so for those who watch New Japan, Mayu is basically your combination of Katsuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And just throw them all together. She's one of the OGs. She's been there from the very beginning. And she's arguably their most decorated champion. Let me just run this down for you real quick for those keeping track at home. She's a five-time Artist of Stardom champion, which is a trios champion. She had, she had the longest run of the high-speed championship collective victories before Izumi broke it. A couple of months ago she's been goddess of stardom tag champions twice wonder of stardom white belt champion twice she's been ring of honor women of honor champion and she per- she defended the championship at madison square garden during g1 supercard she's been world of stardom championship twice she was the tournament finalist for the iwgp women's championship against Kyrie. she won the cinderella tournament and cinderella festival a uh, festa fiesta in back-to-back years five-star grand prix winner and she was SWA champion. So it's one of those things where there's literally nothing left in Stardom for Mayu mm. to do besides win the Triangle Derby and, you know, become IWGP Women's Champion. And this is her second attempt in the last six months. She main evented the show against Kyrie in arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen, both in person and I watched it back afterwards. You know I did. Mm. Um, this could be a showcase match for Monet in the sense that yes, she had the high speed stardom style match, but to have a stardom style match in a stardom ring for the first time is a very big deal. I'll my a- money. Oh, if I'm a betting woman, it might be on Mayu largely because later this year, a movie about her life is coming out based on her autobiography. Okay, so we're talking about somebody with a decent amount of, of profile and, and kind of a, my, a bit my, of a mainstream media push then. Yeah, and for those who watched Lucha Underground a few years ago, there was the Black Lotus triad of three women. Right. There was Yure, Ghost, who was Mayu Iwatani. Doku was Kairi, then Hojo. And Hitokiri, where that famous balcony dive was Io Shirai. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, <sighs> <laughs> that's a deep that's a deep pull i oh and that was just in the last days of lucha underground yeah it too. was it was what but oh, it's like man. season three episode 13 but yeah for those who, who <sighs> want who if you look at mine like man i know i've seen her somewhere it's probably lucha underground or ring of honor there's God, looking back <laughs> at lucha under those days of lucha underground like there's there's this famous um uh punk show that happened in manchester where like the sex pistols played this show in manchester and the 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 the, the myth is that like oh there were only like 70 people at that show but every single one of them went on to form a band and would shape the next 20 years of music or whatever i kind of feel like that's the deal with lucha underground just did, was the show a ratings success did it you know uh do gangbuster numbers like for the opera. Opera. I, I enjoyed it oh i loved it i loved it but everybody who is involved has gone on you know that's just an incredible who's who uh t- to go back through there um and yeah we should also note here again that uh the title that uh mercedes and mayu are fighting for is the still relatively recently incepted IWGP Women's Championship, which again is technically run by New Japan, right? It isn't a stardom native belt. So how this belt is used in terms of 
either uh, New Japan wanting to have more of a presence of Joshi on its own shows or in terms of beginning to bridge and link and interweave New Japan and stardom more closely together, as we've seen over the last year or two. Uh, that's also something to be very much keeping an eye on. Uh, okay, so we are moving over next to a singles match between Shiri and uh, Chihiro Hashimoto. Uh, I think a large number of North American fans um, have probably... Maybe at least, for if, if you're like me, um, hearing Shuri's name um, in connection with uh, Utami Hayashishida uh, and their feud a couple of years ago was really kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and was the kind of like the, the push I needed to say, okay, fine, I got to start at least watching a little bit of stardom because everybody talks uh, about this feud that's been going on uh, with such reverence. Um, however, uh, Shuri is facing someone in Hashimoto who's technically in another promotion in Sendai Girls and is a tag champ there. Uh, and she only has had, I think, a couple of matches with Stardom thus far uh, over the last few months. So what can we kind of expect uh, in this pairing here? And, and what do you think is maybe going on with kind of bringing somebody in uh, from, you know, outside of Stardom? So one of the things I really found interesting was like, I was like, like, yo, I was like, I was like, I know Hashimoto is a big deal, but how big of a deal is Chihiro Hashimoto? So, so here we go. Sendai Girls is in located in Northern Japan. NXT UK and NXT fans might know the name, I don't know, Mako Satamura. That's the promotion that she ran before going to NXT uh, full time. She trained Chihiro Hashimoto. And at 15, you know, some girls, you know, think about playing volleyball. Others want to be cheerleaders. Others want to be like in science and math and all that good stuff. She went, she wanted to become a professional wrestler and she got told, you're too young. Consider taking up amateur wrestling or judo. And so she went the amateur wrestling route. She wrestled in junior high school. She became Asian. She became the all Asian junior champion at 18. She went on to university and, you know, won the world student championship at 20. She even qualified or tried out to qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympiad and just fell so short. So if you're thinking, who could I compare Chihiro Hashimoto to? She's Jeff Cobb, but like compact. She can, she, and she's, she's fast. She's a, she's, you know, she, she's been on Gleet before where she's done the UWFI style rules. Mm. She's heavy in submission. And she and Shuri, before Shuri went to stardom full time, had a series of matches in which Shuri is two and one over mm. Hashimoto. The only win she doesn't have was when she challenged for the Sendai Girls World Championship. Which, if if for those who read a uh, Dream Slam Weekly, this is your or monthly, this is your bonus match rec. I'm gonna put it in the show notes because this is if you are curious as to what you're going to be in store for, this is going to be, it's going to be very technical, a lot of striking, a lot of grappling, but I think it's going to be um, a deep cut for the, like the, 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 the more like more veteran to me, Joshi wrestling fans. Okay. So, so one for the real heads then, rather than, than all of us filthy casuals just coming in. For, yeah, uh, man. For, for all this, for all That's the star power there. Let me, yes, let, me exactly. your, let me be your spirit animal. Yes. yes <laughs> uh, up next, uh, a artist of stardom title match, uh, effectively the trios belts that stardom has uh, in which the prominence team of Haragi Kurumi, Risa Sara and Suzu Suzuki will be taking on Kairi, Natsupoi, and Saori Anu. Uh, so obviously Kairi is a name that will be familiar to even the most you know, casual of North American wrestling fans. Uh, 
it's been, I believe, just over a year since she turned returned to wrestling in Japan, and she's had, uh, you know, three matches, you know, for that for that uh, IWGP Women's Title. Uh, how has she settled back in to the Stardom mix? Uh, and would having her, you know, be part of a team holding the trios belt be sort of a more savvy move in sort of elevating those belts? Which, to be honest, I don't really hear that much about uh, the trios belts uh, ever whenever I'm dipping into Stardom. It's one of those things where the Artist of Stardom Championship as a trios belt, it's a great concept, but it's hard when you have so many belts in a company that trying to find new mixes of people who can shoulder that as champions and have a long reign with it. Uh, Kyrie's return last year up until now, she's done exactly what I wanted her to do the entire time, which is as the returning veteran with her WWE experience and her international claim, she uses her, her experiences to elevate the junior talent. So she's always trying to work with people whose typically careers are younger than hers or, you know, someone that, you know, she has a history with. And for Saori Anno and Natsupoi, back in, uh, gosh, 2015, 16, 17, there, there was a time where like, a lot, like some wrestlers were leaving. There was a kind of a, not a mass exodus out of the company, but they were looking for more people to bolster their numbers. And Kyrie at the time was one of their top faces, arguably one of uh, the top face besides Mayu historically. Um, and but she was having a tough time finding people to join her side and join her cause. And both Saori and at the time Natsumi Maki. So Natsumi Maki was Natsupoi's name pre-stardom. So when she was on Inaccurate Girls and working the Indies, that or that was her other name. So sometimes Saori intentionally uses her old name for nostalgia. Mm. So this is very much a nostalgia trio, but they're getting a fresh start, which is why they're going by the name Restart. Um prominence they are actually freelancers that joined the company they came not, they didn't join the company but they came into the company last january of course starting a feud with julia because their history with with julia predates stardom it was from their time in ice ribbon where even like suzu the one with the orange belt they were room her and julia were roommates hmm. and at the time i think suzu was still either in junior high school or high school so like she was very attached to julia and then julia left so it's been one of those things where last year's five-star, both Risa and Suzu, the two women in the front, they were in the five-star Grand Prix and had great runs during the Grand Prix. So it's one of those things where they, them having the belts and being not, oh, because they also still work all on the independent circuit as well. It's nice because w- when you have events like this, it's a marquee match to see who who can finally take the belts off of them. But they've, they have yet to have a, like, they, they've had hardcore matches and defenses and stuff like that. But it's one of those things where I'm curious to see if they'd be willing to take the risk on putting the belts on someone else. But that would be a great way to keep Kyrie in the fold moving mm-hmm. forward. For, because we'll be going into the five-star Grand Prix come the summertime. And, but even though the Grand Prix is going on, they do have at least one month. Usually they have like one monthly show where they, it's non-Grand Prix related. It's just all the, everyone defends their titles and then they have some fun matches. And that's where Kyrie was like came in clutch last summer. So I could arguably see them putting the belt on, especially because when Natsu, uh, sorry, when Club Venus broke off last week, Saoriano went to the wreckage of Tam Nakano and said, may I help you? Can I be of assistance? Can, can I help pick up the pieces with you? So it is possible that even if Anno still remains a freelancer, there is a history of other freelancers holding belts in stardom. So 
it could be a good way to make things a little interesting the next couple of months. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into this, I, I think, a little bit uh, in a moment as well. But, you know, as you can sort of uh, tell there, uh, dear listener, Stardom is a uh, promotion deeply, deeply invested uh, in, in factions and whatnot. We can maybe talk a bit more about that uh, and the complex relations uh, that are often woven in there. Uh, up next, we've got the Goddesses of Stardom title match, i.e. we're talking about the tag belts effectively here, uh, in which the defending 7-Up team of Nanae Takahashi and Yu will be taking on the god's eye team of ame surai and mirai um so mirai is just a few days away from having won uh stardom's cinderella tournament for a second consecutive time and yes uh if you're new to stardom the trophy for winning that tournament is a glass slipper uh so like in earlier versions of the new japan cup or the royal rumble when there isn't like a unified world title uh the cinderella tournament winner is granted a wish where they get to choose which uh title they'd like to challenge for and i believe the last mirai and the preceding four champions have all chosen to challenge for that secondary wonder of stardom championship the white belt that we were talking about uh earlier um i think mariah said uh at the end of the tournament that oh she won't announce which belt she wants to challenge for until after this card so karen it seemed to me that that almost sort of kind of hamstrung this match right that mariah was already kind of would be looking onto something other than uh, this tag belt. So do you think that that's kind of hampered interest in this match? And what can you tell us uh, about the current champs seven up about whom I know effectively nothing? Okay. So and it, it doesn't, I don't necessarily think it hampers their possibility of her looking forward because Ame Sore, her tag partner is currently the future of stardom champion. And she has a defense in May for that championship against uh, Rina from Oedo Tai. So if we're going to look at the graphic, Nanae Takahashi, the woman all the way on the left, she's OG stardom. She's a wrestler that predates stardom. And she, you know, she went off and did her own thing. She's freelancing. She's another freelancer, but she's also a veteran who's come back in the last year to really have matches with a lot of the junior talent and um, help elevate them. Wakatsukiyama in particular would be the one that she took a particular interest in and was the, the person responsible for helping Waka break her two and a half plus year undefeated unwinnable streak as it were so she's she's what you know, she's a name that goes all the way back to the origins of stardom her tag partner you you is a is a, another freelancer but she's very popular both in the UK and are all over the the scene here in uh, Japan she is currently one half of the Sendai girls tag champions I believe mm-hmm. with Chihiro Hashimoto from the Shuri match. And she's also the Eve Pro Wrestling uh, international champion in the UK. So she's like a triple champion right now, just, you know, slogging belts around. Um, but during the press conference, they kind of made fun of Mirai and Ami because they're like, aren't you guys supposed to be the future of the company, but you've already challenged for the belts three times and came up short every single time. Mm. They, mm. they like in the last year, cause Mirai was, uh, is classed in that group of like under 25 gold, new golden generation of stardom talent. And she and Ami went against Fukuoka double crazy twice in July last year, came up short both times. And then when Tam and Natsupoi had the belts uh, in September, they went up against them and came up short again. So it's really make or break for them at this point because they ended up be- having a strong showing in the Goddess Tag League in November, uh, October and November. But 7-Up ultimately were the ones who won it. And they had to compete in a runners-up number one contenders match in January. 
and then lost that match as well. So it's one of those things. It's like if they don't pull the trigger on Mirai and Ami now, it's hard to call them the future of the company, especially for mm, Mirai because mm. her name literally means future. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, that's like the, the the literal English translation of Mirai, which is future. So it's like this is the chance for them. Yes, they 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 have an unstoppable streak. They've been doing really hot, like Seven has been doing really hot. But I think it's time for them to move on to other projects within Stardom, and giving Mirai that opportunity would be a good chance. And same with Ami. Um, yes, to to talk about the elephant in the room, uh, Mirai became a pro wrestler because she thought Yuji Nagata doing PR work in wrestling in her area of uh, Tohoku. She was a one of the, in one of the regions that was heavily devastated by the great Tohoku earthquake and tsunami back in 2011. And that's seeing Yuji Nagata and uh, some of the wrestlers in New Japan inspired her to become a professional Mm. wrestler. So that's why she kind of coyly said, I might go after the white belt. I might go after the red belt. I might go after the IWGP belt. So she's, she's hedging her bets, but I think she's going to hold on to that Cinderella tournament win in her pocket for a little bit. The inspirational figure of Blue Justice still resonating uh, throughout <laughs> throughout Japanese wrestling. Uh, up next, uh, what I imagine will probably be a, a fairly emotional match uh, in Himika versus Maika. This is a retirement match uh, for Himika, who is leaving wrestling after, I believe, just five years yep. uh, in the business. Uh, Karen, either you or WH Park could probably write a sociological thesis as to why people cycle out of Joshi and Japanese idol groups so quickly, but that's a subject for another day. Uh, <laughs> and, and very symbolically, she's chosen her tag team partner, Maika, uh, to be her final in-ring opponent before a formal retirement ceremony at a Korkyun show in May. Uh, I get the sense that Himika is someone whose stock had been slowly rising uh, over the past few years. How would you evaluate her run in stardom and what the feeling is heading into this retirement match? One of the things that Maiko said in the press conference prior to the retirement road being announced is that she originally, when she started pro wrestling, she decided to set the goal that by 25, she was going to retire. So it was always on the docket that she was going to be a short timer as it were. Um, But the other, the other difficult thing that she struggled with was that her father didn't necessarily support her choice to become a wrestler or her Mm. interest in becoming a wrestler. So he never got to see her in her gear because he passed away before she was able to uh to show to show what she looked like as a, a a arguably one of the top women in one of the top promotions yeah she she's she made a name for herself in 2020 when she first came in she immediately found herself in her debutante entry in the five star grand prix got all the way to the finals and lost to utami hayashita in the finals uh she was goddess of stardom champion with micah for the very with a very short run micah and her tagged with uh natsupoi became the artist of stardom champions uh, she was actually selected by Julia to represent DDM in the inaugural uh, IWGP Women's Tournament. Um, she she's also previously challenged for the Wonder of Stardom belt twice, once against Julia and once against Kamatani, coming up short both times. And then also she challenged Shuri for the red belt. So for her, it's it's it was the struggle of no matter what I did, it was never enough. But I have to come to terms with I'm doing everything I can with the time I, I decided. And now I'm going to take everything I have left, any like like last bit of professional wrestling emotion or feeling, I'm going to throw everything at Micah. So basically, she and Micah are going to be- beat the brakes off the bus because Himika said in the most recent press conference, I said everything I need to say in all the articles and interviews I've done so far. 
but I have no interest in coming back to wrestling after this. So mm-hmm. once she has that ceremony, uh, the last Jumbo Princess in on May 14th, that's it for her. Whether or not she st- stays active on social media, showing her life beyond stardom, it remains to be seen. It's, you know interesting that you know very much i think like with the uh the shuri championship match we have another sort of you know the presence or absence of a parent sort of hovering over uh you know the real life uh presence or absence of, of a of a parent kind of hovering over a match and uh yeah i mean again you know i'm i'm, I'm just kind of getting caught up with this one uh but i imagine that's going to be a like you said just the, the two of them you very know, emotional beating the crap out of each other but then i imagine just completely bawling and tearfully embracing uh at the end of that one um up next, a very much a blink and you'll miss it. Uh, high speed tag team match between Mesera and Starlight Kid versus Azumi and Mesaruga. Um, I don't think Azumi was announced as uh, May's partner until very recently. Uh, and if I'm correct, this is Mesera, aka uh, May Hoshizuki's first wrestling match in nearly two years uh, and her first match in stardom since 2020. Uh, when Azumi defeated her to retain the high-speed title. So is this a case, maybe, Karen, of Mesa kind of counter-programming uh, Mesa Era's return and tapping uh, an opponent from her past? Uh, and also, can you maybe clarify what the concept of a high-speed match uh, in Stardom is? So the thing about the high-speed division is that they're like their own wild little club of small and very fast women. Fast in the sense of speed, not other fast. But, like, you know, it, it, there's no height requirement or height maximum for it, but they all tend to be more on the petite side. If, you, if you're a New Japan fan or a Cruiserweight Classic fan, this would be your Cruiserweight division. This is your, your you know, y- you can give them five minutes, you can give them ten minutes, but you're gonna be, it's going to be, like, kind of like herding cats at, like, on eight times speed. They're going to go all over the arena. They're going to go all over the ring. They're going to be in the ring, out the ring, over the top of the ring. Um, the way it got set up was that Starlight Kid actually went to Gato Moves Dojo to – uh, Uri, uh, Kenka Uri to c- go pick a fight to, with uh, May Suruga. Those who have watched AEW, they may have seen her in the AEW uh, International Women's Tournament. She's mm-hmm. also been with uh, Emi Sakura on AEW TV and I believe on Dark and Dark Elevation. Uh, she's also very popular on the American Indies. They keep bringing her over, which is great. Um, but she and Kid, they, they, they have that... Azumi would be there, the, the connection through the high-speed division. Azumi, when the match graphic was originally announced, much like the other match that we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, when the match graphics were announced, she was listed as X because she was it was prior to her match with Mercedes Monet at Sakura Genesis. So it was the, you know, one of the jokes that uh, Saruga made to Starlight Kid was like, but you just lost the high-speed championship match against Azumi. Why are you challenging me to a high-speed match? So when... Uh, uh Sarah May, the girl all the way on the right, uh, when she was announced, yeah, she had she had been inactive since 2001, or sorry, 2021. She probably wasn't alive in 20, uh, 2001. <laughs> 2021. Uh, but she per- formally wrestled for Marvelous under the name May Hoshizuki. And apparently, May Hoshizuki and May Saruga, I'm not familiar with it, but they also have like independent ties from their time doing high speed matches as well. Mm-hmm. So it's this is probably when for for those who enjoyed uh, Monet versus Hazuki versus Azumi last week, or keep hearing of all the crazy stuff Azumi does. This is definitely a match you might want to earmark to keep an eye out on. 
All right, we are moving up next to uh, very much a stable-based uh, match featuring the Club Venus team of Mariah May, Zena, and Jesse versus the Away to Tie team. Uh, uh, oh, and excuse me, and uh, and Tekla kind of, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, <laughs> She's been uh, harangued into moonlighting, helping out Club Venus. Moonlighting in there uh, against the Away to Tie team of Ruaka, Mobo Watanabe, uh, Natsuko Toro, and Saki Kashima. Uh, so as we were sort of alluding to a minute ago, um, Club Venus is a relatively recent, recently formed stable um and again you know if, if this is your first time listening to stardom you're probably thinking your, to yourself like okay geez i've heard god's eye stars cosmic angels and now oedo and club venus it's a very very faction heavy uh promotion karen i outside of dragon gate I don't know that I can think of another promotion that places as much focus uh, on kind of, you know, faction politics and conflict and whatnot. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, no, no. I'd still, I would still say, I would still say, okay, New Japan's like, they're, they're shuffling the deck right now. So it's pretty fast moving right now. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, so what can you maybe sort of tell people about the introduction uh, of Club Venus and how they're going to fare uh, against the villainous uh, and infamous stable of Oedo Tai? All right, so Oedo Tai is basically your fa- your your heel your your standard boilerplate heel faction. Uh, but basically, a lot of the women in Oedo Tai were in other factions, and then eventually either defected or got poached or got lost in the bet against Oedo Tai, and fa- really found their calling and their way around it. Uh, the good thing about Club Venus, Club Venus is basically like Stardom's current answer to Tokyo. Like when T- Tokyo Cyber Squad went away, that was one of the factions that had a lot of foreigners in it. Oedo Tai used to have a lot of foreigners as well, um, but this is their way to introduce more foreign talent into stardom. So Mariah May is from the UK. Zena is the girl with the long black hair. She's from Australia. Those who watched NXT may know the name Jessie Kamea. Jessie is now, she was, you know, formerly in NXT, she got released, but now she's in stardom as part of, as the Matarahi. I don't know what Matahari does, but the, that's what they're doing in Club Venus. They, they, they're all tall and fun and they like to dance and then poor Tekla Tekla's in Donna Del Mundo but she is Austrian and she's very fluent in Japanese so I think that's also part of the reason why she kind of got put in the match with them mm. just to have some fun and it's one of those things like I like she's playing the very reluctant participant like kind of like she's in a hostage situation with, with uh, Club okay. Venus but I think she's gonna have she's one that has a lot of fun in matches and if you if you haven't seen like when I was talking about high speed She's another. She should be high speed champion at some point because mm. she, her her ability to do things like it's not fair how fast that girl moves. All right, uh, our penultimate match: a tag team match between the Queen's Quest group of Miyu Amasaki and Utami Hayashishida versus the Stars team of Hazuki and Fuwa Chan. Um, like I was sort of alluding to earlier, uh, Hayashishida is very much uh, the person who I kind of latched onto and grabbed, uh, gravitated towards when I was first starting to watch uh, Stardom here and there. That again, her her feud with Shuri was had so many wonderful matches uh, in it, and it sort of seems like she's been a bit downcycled since that feud finished, which I'm a little bit uh, bummed about. Uh, do you think this match is just sort of a basically a like, look, you know, Hazuki and Hayashishida, we got to get them uh, on the card somewhere? Uh, type sort of situation uh i don't think kazuki was even announced as being a participant in this match until a few days ago okay so hazuki at the time when this was announced 
She was also embroiled in the IWGP three-way with uh, Monet and Azumi. But the reason why she was put into this match is because she's Fuichan's trainer. Fuichan, for those who don't know, may have heard that about her having her debut match back in October last year at the opening day of the Goddesses Tag League. Fuichan in Japan is a massively popular YouTuber. And she's also a variety TV talent on broadcast Sunday night, 9 p.m. golden hour slot. She's a very big deal. And she was on, she's a regular on a TV show called, um, basically the, the, the English translation is legal counsel, like free legal counsel, but it's basically a panel discussion TV show that has, they talk about different like things in the news and stuff like that. But they, like one of the things they asked is like, what's one thing you'd want to try? And she's like, I've always wanted to try becoming a pro wrestler. So they contacted stardom and she's been trained up until October of last year. She was training privately, like very hush hush in the stardom dojo with Hazuki and Queen's Quest and some of the other people. So her debut match is actually against uh, other half of Queen's Quest, Kamatani and uh, uh, Hina, who had just come back from, you know, studying for her high school entrance exams. This is not, some might see this like, well, it's the second match on the card. This is not a cycle down. Mm. This match will get national coverage on Japanese broadcast TV. Mm. So They've this is a... Re- this is the second part of the series. So the the other match was also broadcast on Japanese TV. They 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 inter they they inter they like Keiji Muto I believe is going to be one of the guest panelists for when this one uh-huh. eventually airs. So it's it may look like it's cycling down, but as the leader of Queen's Quest, one it gets her on the card, but also she's has the opportunity to become a house of a household name. Same thing with Amasaki. Same thing with Hazuki. This is a way that they that Stardom can parlay. You, like much like how WWE bring, brought in different talent that has like TV connections or sends their own talent to go work and work in the film industry, it's the same thing just in reverse. Mm-hmm. They brought a celebrity in to train them, and you know a couple of the matches I believe, or at least one in Kohaku Hall, she was doing ring, she was seconding at ringside as part of her training. So it, she's taking it very seriously. She's determined to win, and Utami's like, yeah, nice try. Don't think that's going to happen for you, but good luck. But it's it's she's very she's been very positive about the experience, and I think it, it's actually getting stardom put into more and more people's houses like Sunday night during like right after dinner. So it's it's interesting. Obviously, celebrity uh, and celebrity crossovers have been part of pro wrestling going back many 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 decades. But it does sort of feel like we are going through this kind of particular bump or wave in terms of youtube personalities influencers i just i hate saying that word it makes me feel filthy uh but you know <laughs> between this between the paul brothers uh you know between that thing in uh a which uh, didn't end up coming to pass uh but i do sort of feel like a lot of promotions are really kind of shooting for uh any sort of uh link or you know ability to tap into uh those younger audiences right that i think uh you know everybody is always trying to hunt down and that influencers or youtubers uh like fuachan are maybe viewed uh as an inroad too okay so we are at uh the final match for our purposes of this preview but the first match on the card a yokohama rumble match uh in which veteran wrestler momo nakanishi uh is the only person who's been announced at this point uh i think she's only had a couple of matches since an effective retirement uh, in 2005. Karen, are you expecting a sort of like New Japan Rambo situation where we get some veterans and legends and then maybe mixed in with some like fresh faces or stardom rookies? 
typically that's what the rumble always ends up being is that when she was announced as the first person i automatically thought back to that 2021 uh all-star dream cinderella budokan show because she was in it (laughs) and it's always like whenever she comes back and shows up everyone's like oh my gosh she's been she's been retired like forever but the interesting piece of trivia for this one was that her last match at yokohama arena was defending the wwwa championship against uh ayako hamada in the main event of all japan women's pro wrestling 35th anniversary the future mm. so it's it's kind of this is very much a, a a nod to the past but then you're gonna see her mix it up with the present and the future of the company so it, it's it's always a fun time whenever she comes by if i if i'm understanding commentary correctly she's the uh the wife of the guy who does the japanese uh color commentary makoto oi so every time she comes on, it's like, your wife, your wife. He's like, oh, my wife, my wife. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it, looking at the card, you can pretty much guarantee that most of the people that are already booked in a match will not be in the Rumble. Right. So it'll be probably some freelancers, some some nostalgia callbacks. Um, but yeah, a lot of the uh, more junior talent are going to be on the show. Uh, typically, uh, the like Cosmic Angels adjacent group, uh, GPU Colors, they're, they're four girls. Uh, they, they've been pairing in with cosmic angels for the last year or so they'll probably make an appearance um people are wondering if like you know the group from marvelous and diana the 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 two that have like takumi iroha and haruko umasaki they have shows the same day and marvelous their shows in aichi so it's a bit of a shinkansen ride probably not going to be there however diana's dojo is in yokohama so it's possible if their Mm. shows early enough that some of the Diana talent who have been regularly on either Stardom or Stardom New Blood um, may be on the show. But they they said that they're going to announce participants. They haven't just yet. So it, personally, I'll take the Rumble Royal, like surprise, all the surprises version of it, as opposed to, all right, all these people are in the Rumble. Who are the gaps? Right. Just surprise me. So 11 matches ranging from uh, nostalgia to shaping the future of stardom, ranging from uh, attempts to sort of maybe make, uh, have crossover success either in Japan or possibly North America. Karen, to put you on the spot, what one match is going to steal the show? What one oh, match um... are we all going to be talking about on Monday? I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's apples and oranges and personal preference. Like for me, I'm a huge Mahime fan, so seeing knowing that this is going to be Micah's, or sorry, Himeka's final match, when I had only just seen her wrestle for, in person the first time in November, that's really going to get me. But I can guarantee that Julia versus Tam is going to be a barn burner. There's going to be mm-hmm. tables. There's going. There, I'm guaranteeing there's going to be blood. Tam's already tried cutting Julia's hair once and took a nice big chunk of off the side. There's probably it, it's not going to be an official hair versus hair match, but I'm thinking someone might lose some hair. Mm. All right. So if folks are interested in checking it out, like we've alluded to, uh, the English commentary is going to feature uh, the wonderful Chris Charlton, uh, who's, like we said, always great uh, at providing context uh, for casuals like myself. Uh, but we were, as we were talking about off the top, uh, Karen, uh, where and how can uh, English viewers uh, actually track down and check out the Stardom Show this Sunday? Just as a reminder, follow we underscore are underscore stardom. Uh, that's the English official web uh, Twitter handle. They're the ones who usually set out the, disseminate the information. Of course, I'll probably retweet it. So if you're following me at Hey Karen Sensei, it'll probably end up on your timeline. 
Um, but typically it'll come out, they're saying Thursday morning JST. So probably what, if you're in the uh, North America, South America, it'll be late Wednesday night or early Europe and everybody else time. All right. And for those who don't know, uh, Karen does a whole, whole, whole hell of a lot uh, of <laughs> stardom and general Joshi coverage. Uh, so, Karen, if folks are looking for even more context uh, for this card, where can they find uh, all of your recent work related to stardom and Joshi in general? All right. Well, what I'm going to do is that in the show notes, I'm going to drop a couple of stardom event reports that I have over on post that'll give you the, the general, you know, last five to six months. So if you want to like pour a cup of tea, go do a read through, it might help you out. Um, if you want more information about the faction specifically, uh, back in uh, September through November over at New J- or NJ, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, NJPW1972.com, uh, Karen Peterson's historic cross column. It is a five part series. Uh, talking about the championships, the, the the history of the matches leading up to historic crossover, as well as all the different factions. Now I have to change some of the things because now there's Club Venus. That wasn't the thing before. So it's it's one of those things where you'll be able to get basically a little bit of information, a little more information, as unfortunately the Stardom website's in Japanese only. So, but of course, follow me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube. I'll be talking... I talk about the Joshi. And on April 29th, Saturday, uh, April's Dream Slam Monthly is coming out. So, And of course, Sunday. Can't forget Sunday. Absolutely not. Exactly. Uh, Karen and I will have a full review of the show on Sunday. And again, that show is exclusively uh, for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So again, be sure to sign up. There you go. You can see the link there at postwrestlingcafe.com so you do not miss out on that or any of the dozens of extra shows coming out on that feed every month. So until we chat to you on Sunday, I have been Bruce Lord. Thanks very much for listening, Karen. Or uh, Thanks very much for I listening. I mean, not. Thank <laughs> <laughs> and Karen, it's been great to see you again, and I'm looking forward to talking about the show with you on Sunday. Always a pleasure. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.